McGurk! I love not typing. Not with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yay! Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zorel. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And we are live and wired on the DC TV podcast YouTube channel and the Supergirl Radio Facebook page to discuss the documentary film Necessary Evil Supervillains of DC Comics. This is our attempt at a spooky season episode. <laughs> it's about evil. It's about bad guys. That seems like a, a, an appropriate Halloween uh, topic. And uh, we've been checking out some documentary films as of late. So uh, this is just another one that we're checking out on uh, our favorite streaming platform, uh, max.com so uh, stream it on max as they say so this is one that you can watch there if you haven't watched it already you can uh, watch it on max and if you have we uh, hope you'll share your thoughts about your favorite DC Comics villains um, because we definitely heard about them in this documentary so let's get right to discussing necessary evil supervillains of DC Comics as narrated by Christopher Lee and directed by Scott Devine or Devine I didn't get a chance to look up how to pronounce his name but uh, Scott Devine maybe and J.M. Kenny. the film description from IMDb and I'm pulling it from IMDb versus max because max's description was kind of uh, <laughs> the one from imdb was a lot better uh so it says quote a documentary detailing the epic rogues gallery of dc comics from the joker and lex luther sinestro dark side and more this documentary will explore the supervillains of dc comics unquote uh, so I thought that was a better description than the max one so uh Morgan uh my first question that I didn't put in the doc but I kind of want to get your take on it Mm -hmm. is uh, this documentary film was pretty heavy on Batman and Green Lantern, I felt. Yes. So, so. <laughs> yes, it was. So the, I, I will say, the Batman, the Batman I expected. If there's one thing, <laughs> if there's one thing I know that WB is always going to provide to me, always going to deliver for me, I know that it's Batman. I never question, will there be enough Batman in this thing? Because there will be. <laughs> Arguably too much Batman sometimes. But There's a quota. Could there be such a thing? <laughs> the Green Lantern I was surprised by. I was like, this this guy again. <laughs> so, it's uh, like people are trying to make me care about Green Lantern. You're, you're, still, not, you're still not caring for him? I Honestly, some of the stuff that they were talking about with his villains, I was like, oh, that sounds juicy. Uh, but uh, now I'm afraid that I might end up being a, be, becoming a, like a Sinestro fan, but not a Green <laughs> He has pathos. <laughs> he killed all the guardians and really wanted them to know that he did not like them. Uh, so uh, that was quite uh, the part of it. So they, it was definitely heavy on Green Lantern, which I didn't expect either. But they definitely talked a lot about Green Lantern. They talked about a lot of different characters, but pretty heavy on Batman and Green Lantern. So if you're <laughs> a Batman or Green Lantern fan, you're going to love this documentary. 
Um, but I guess my uh, my other question outside of that is, so we watched the docu-series Superpower, the story of DC, which I guess that's what it was. Um, yeah. But it was over a course of three episodes. Here, this was a documentary film. It so, was. So <laughs> uh, how do you think that this worked as a film? Uh, um, uh, great question. Um, about halfway through, I thought to myself, Myself, what is this that I'm watching? Because it does feel a little bit just kind of like a compilation of people going, remember Lex Luthor? That guy's bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Captain Cold? A rogue. Yes. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like you kind of get through and they're like, what is a villain? And then after they get it through, they're like, what is art? Uh, <laughs> then they go into just kind of listing villains and like what their deal is. And I just kind of thought, okay. Um, but I, I kind of questioned like what the purpose of the documentary was, like who the audience for this was, because I feel like if you're, if you're kicking back and you're putting on a DC supervillain documentary, uh, I think you probably know a bit about the DC villains. You're probably not going into it cold. And so I thought to myself, like how many of the people like me are like, I don't care for green lantern and I don't need to know more. Uh, <laughs> like, I feel like the DC super fans are going to be like, yeah, I remember when that happened. Cool. I remember also when that happened. Cool. Like, I don't feel like I, I will say for the, the docu-series that we went through about the DC, the story behind it, it was going into stuff that happened in the 30s, the 40s. I think arguably you could be a pretty big DC fan, but not know that much about like the creators behind Batman or like the drama of like who created Batman stuff like that. <laughs> Bob Kane and only Bob Kane. Just Bob. Um, <laughs> for Bill. Um, but, or like, you know, how how many wives slash girlfriends did Wonder Woman's creator have? More than you'd think. <laughs> like, I think that stuff like you could kind of be a big Wonder Woman fan and maybe not know that full backstory or, you know, Batman fan. But if you're a big Batman fan, you're probably pretty familiar with like all of his villains. So just kind of listing them and like what they're into. I was just kind of like, okay, this feels like very entry level um, documentary, which for me was great for the characters I'm not as familiar with, where I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know about that one. But for you know, for some, I would assume for the average person putting on a documentary about DC comic characters, they're probably pretty familiar with most of these people. So, like, yeah, I just, I was a little confused about, like, who who is the audience for this? I think that's a great question. And I think that's a question that all filmmakers should be asking, especially documentary filmmakers. Who, who is have, this for? <laughs> who have to put, have a perspective on something. I think you're probably right. This is for people maybe interested in DC, but who don't know a lot or maybe minimal uh, information about DC comics. So maybe this is, if you want to learn more, maybe this is a good one. Uh, I think this also might be for people who are like me, who want to talk about the philosophy behind the characters and why they are the way they are. I think that 
uh, is the aspect of the, the documentary film that I enjoyed the most was the discussion about the dichotomy of, or even the dynamic of the hero and the villain and why you need those uh, archetypes and those characters to have a story. So I think those are maybe the two camps I would say that the audience is maybe for, but yeah, for like a hardcore DC comics fan, you're probably not going to learn anything or take anything away. I think even for me, um, one of the interviewees was, uh, I forget her name, but she's the Arkham something podcast. Uh, what is that podcast called? I'm blanking on it. The Arkham session. I thought that was her, but they actually, they actually what? Yeah. I thought that was her, but they, and the lower third, Oh, I think we might be unsynced, the audio. Oh, oh no. Okay. Uh, let me try to go out and come back in. Stay where you are. Uh, hang out with the okay. chat. If there are some sure. questions, answer the chat. I'll come back in. We'll, we'll try to reboot your and see if that helps. All right, hang on a second. <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> um, so like I was telling Rebecca, uh, I thought that that was the, the woman from the, uh, I think it's Arkham something podcast, but the lower third on the documentary, uh, I think just uh, just put her up, up as like psychiatrist. Which I thought was like, wait, doesn't she have a podcast as well? Did Rebecca did did they have the podcast in her like little like crawl at the bottom? Because I th- I thought to myself, I think that's who is one of the um, the hosts of that podcast. But then I wasn't sure, and it I don't think it said it. I don't think so, but I th- I think that's the same lady though. I think I her think name was no Andrea. Yeah, and like I that's uh, Andrea like... Letta Mende. Letta Mendy, if that's uh, how you say that, I'm not really sure. Uh, but I thought that uh, can are we synced now? Is I think it better? So. Okay, can you, yes, you can hear me, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Sometimes the stream yard something goes buggy and you just have to go in and come back out, uh, or go out and come back in. That's what I meant to say. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's who that was. So that that's who I assumed it was because she talked a lot about Batman and the psychology, but. Uh, uh, around all of his rogues gallery. And she uh, specifically referenced Batman the animated series, which is like her bread and butter is uh, the Batman the animated series with the Arkham sessions. I highly recommend it if you're a big Batman fan and you like the in-depth discussion of those characters, the Arkham sessions is a great podcast to check out. And it looks like there are, cause I just checked out their show page and it looks like they are also doing some Star Trek stuff, which is cool. So if you're also a Star Trek fan um, and you want to check out like the more recent episodes, they've been doing some of that stuff too. So yeah, I think she's an actual psychiatrist, psychologist. I, I, yeah, I think she's a professional in one of those fields. Yeah, I think it said, I think her her little like crawler on the bottom in this documentary said psychiatrist, but I immediately was like, I think she has a podcast. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know that it referenced that, but then again, I did almost forget that this, this documentary is from 2013. Yes. It's a while. It's a <laughs> while ago, but, but I mentioned her because I've listened to a lot of those episodes and heard them talk about these different characters. And so a lot of that was kind of repeat for me about how like, you know, Catwoman is the, you know, sort of the, uh, the, sexual desire for batman and then like the riddler is his need to you know figure things out and uh like a narcissistic part of bruce wayne you know all these kind of things like all of his rogues gallery are kind of an aspect of bruce wayne so i've heard a lot about that stuff so a lot of that wasn't new for me 
So I can see if somebody was like a big DC fan, it would be kind of like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I know. But it was neat, I think, for me to hear different writers and creators talk about the philosophy behind why you need a villain, what's important to have a villain in the story. And one of the things that I pulled away from this that I had not really thought about, because people talk about protagonists and antagonists all the time when they're talking about stories, but I think the documentary did a really good job of talking about what a protagonist is. And the, uh, the definition from Alan Burnett, he says, if you define protagonist as somebody who sets something in motion and antagonist as somebody who stops him, almost all of the villains in comic books are protagonists. And I think sometimes when we talk about, and I say we as like a royal we, like we as a society. Society. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about uh, protagonists, it's usually uh, people put that on a hero. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and and like to talk about antagonists as the, the bad guy or the villain. And so the way they talked about it in the documentary, I thought was a really interesting way to look, about, uh, look at it. Because really, villains are the ones who set things in motion. They're the ones that get the story started. And so I thought that that was um, something that I took away from it in particular. And I was curious, is there anything like that that uh, sort of popped out, out at you? That was the one thing that, like, I thought was really cool about the concept that they were sort of introducing is, like, really, you can't have, like, a lot of the stories, the superhero stories, are because of a villain doing X, Y, Z, trying to take over a city or, you know, trying to mind control everybody or trying to, you know, uh, R.I.P. Kelly, you know, uh, <laughs> still not over it. Um, <laughs> And I, I think, yeah, like when you look at it that way, they are the ones creating the action that the heroes respond to. So in a lot of ways, it, yeah, if you're looking at a protagonist as the person who, you know, creates the action in the story, they are really kind of the protagonists because they're the ones who are getting things moving without without um, like supervillains. We would just be watching the heroes like go about their day. We just watch we just watch Bruce Wayne talk to Alfred and like schedule <laughs> dates with supermodels. Who wants to do that? <laughs> Wait, would you still watch that story? Yes. <laughs> but but I would want it to be more like a bachelor situation. Oh yes. But like all of like the things that they so I don't watch The Bachelor. This is not me being proud. I watched a lot of trash just not that particular kind <laughs> and but i would think that like a bruce wayne the bachelor situation would have like the challenges that the girls would do would get like increasingly insane so they'd start with like normal stuff and then the next thing you know they're doing like the salmon ladders and it's like it's like <laughs> jessica a gauntlet at the end <laughs> jessica if you won't scale the building how do you expect to get his love <laughs> like, she's like i just thought he was normal billionaire <laughs> Jessica's crying as she's hand over handing up the building. <laughs> Jessica's gonna do it. Jessica, um, you can do this. <laughs> so, uh, and this is totally off topic, but do you think Bruce Wayne would be good on Love is Blind? I think he would be amazing on Love is Blind because I feel like, <laughs> so if anyone hasn't seen Love is Blind, the premise of this particular dating reality show that I'm always telling Rebecca she has to watch the new season. Morgan of has gotten me uh, hooked on it and I'm very... <laughs> 
uh, upset with her for getting me to watch you are welcome um, <laughs> but they like put this like single single men and single women in these pods and then they talk to each other through the pods and they don't see each other and they're supposed to connect on a real level and then when they get out they get engaged definitely a great idea uh, <laughs> without having even seen each other and then they have like a month to get married can't see how that could go wrong so <laughs> I feel like Bruce Wayne would do amazing because I think that like immediately he would trauma dump on every person he talked to <laughs> so, so, so i think that like but they but they would be like oh my god he's really opening up to me he's told me stuff that he's never told anyone before about his parents death and it's like actually he's told every person he's ever met about it <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm just so comfortable with you that i can relive relive this over and over again <laughs> He would also, because I've seen, uh, I think in this new season of Love is Blind, this girl, like, has the guy, like, doing push-ups in the room. Yes, he would love so that. Bruce Wayne <laughs> would be like, how many push-ups you want me to do? I think he would be into that. So I guess you could tell, like, a Batman story without yeah, him being just, Batman just, or without a villain. Just a Bruce I, I would <laughs> Listen, I would sign up for a Bruce Wayne story because I think one of the appeals of Batman, at least to me, is that, like, uh, when you take a step back and you really look at the Batman story, like, Bruce Wayne is not well. Like, Bruce Wayne is not, <laughs> He's not well. okay. He is not okay. And so I could follow him around, like, as he just has bad coping mechanisms for his <laughs> daily life. <laughs> Yeah, so that was one of the things that they talked quite a lot about in the documentary, which I thought was really interesting was, you know, uh, uh, you know, Zack Snyder, who miraculously shows up in this documentary, because uh, I think this was right after or around the time that Man of Steel was, so, uh, yeah. was just coming out. Um, he says, without the villain to define the hero, you don't have a hero. And then uh, Bobby Chase says, the more power supervillains have, the more you showcase how important the superhero is. And uh, they also, uh, the documentary brought up, uh, the it pointed out that the relationship between a hero and a villain is interdependent and that they can't exist without each other. So I thought that was, uh, that whole segment of the documentary I really liked because there is a, a discussion about that. And we'll get to that maybe more in Snap Judgments about uh, who came first, the, the hero or the villain. And that Ooh. is, uh, I guess, dependent on your story. It could go either way uh, in, in terms of when, uh, when they appear and who shows up first. So I thought all of that was really interesting in the documentary. I thought they they got really good like um, people to be talking heads in this documentary. Uh, they maybe arguably had too many because there would be like they would pop up to like show another guy and I'd be like, Ooh, I don't remember who this is. Like we're talking, like we're talking like ten different people. I can't be excited to remember all their names or like what their deal is. But they did have like it felt like they had a wide variety of people, and it felt like the people that they were talking to were people that they were actually talking to, and yes. not like file footage, <laughs> file footage like the which is a critique that we had of the DC like the super powered superpower documentary series which is that they had a lot of talking heads but a lot of them were definitely like archival footage or like press junkets that they were just taking little clips out of and like putting it into the story whereas here i felt like they actually sat down with people and were like all right tell me about villains um they talked to people who were involved in the different you know animated shows the live action shows um 
But my favorite person that they talked to, hands down, was Scott Porter from Friday Night Lights. Uh, uh, or was it? Uh, was it? He was also his lower third. I think said Heart of Dixie and I Heart think. of Dixie. Um, I I looked at the lower third. I looked back up at Scott Porter. I looked down at the lower third, and I thought, Sir, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you here? I don't know if he's been involved in DC stuff in the past. Um, I, I I think I vaguely did remember that he was he's like a comic super fan. And honestly, his some of his insights were really good. And I was like, Scott Porter, how could I how could I ever like question your bona fides when you were on such a great show as Friday Night Lights? Uh, <laughs> uh, Texas Forever Street. But <laughs> I, I do think it's funny if he was ever in something DC, it feels like that's the thing you should have put in the lower third if he wasn't. Like, I feel like you should have put like actor Heart of Dixie comma super fan like just <laughs> let us know why he's here <laughs> yeah uh i tried to look that up i think after this documentary was made he was the voice of dick grayson in a video game maybe oh but i think he had also done some other dc thing maybe it around like, this time but i was I, i'm pretty sure it was just voice acting yeah it looks like he voiced aquaman and superboy for the video game lego batman 3 beyond gotham nightwing when would Night that have been? Uh, what year? That I don't know. Oh, okay. This is the um, this is off of the fandom DC database um for Scott Porter. It looks like he mostly just did video game voices though. So it was like uh Nightwing for the video game Batman Arkham Knight, Damian Wayne for the video game Injustice Two. So not animation or or live action or anything like that. Uh, but even and so, probably afterwards, if it, yeah, if it was, they should have put that in the lower third. If it was like before this documentary had, uh, I like to developed. imagine that like he like networked his way into being on this documentary that by just like talking to everybody about like, oh my god, do you know what the about like the Joker's deal is? And people were like, <laughs> Scott, stop! And he was like, I'll never stop until you put me in a, a documentary. <laughs> uh, new Rachel in the chat says he's in Harley Quinn. Oh no way! Who, I, who does who does he play in Harley Quinn? Rachel, I would, give us the scoop. I would love to know that Harley yes. Quinn. I'm doing a little bit of googling. Uh, it looks like he is the Flash in Harley Quinn. Oh, well, he talked about uh, the Flash and Reverse Flash. He did. In the documentary. Uh, apparently, he's going to be in the new uh, Suicide Squad game, um, Rachel also says. Yes. Uh, well, he obviously knows a lot about DC. He's a big you, fan. <laughs> you wouldn't have really known that uh, by his Heart of Dixie lower third. <laughs> I, I like actually laughed out loud when I saw the lower third come up as hard. Also, okay, I, I'm not gonna I'm not throwing shade on Heart of Dixie. I'm sure that's actually like what was on the the air. That's at a the show time. about Alabama, right? Uh, yes. I refused okay. I Again. refused to watch it because <laughs> I, I just couldn't I I, knew, <laughs> I I judged it before like thinking, that's, oh, their accents fair. are gonna be terrible. I'm so sure I just they never were. watched it. I just I, uh, never watched it. My mom used to watch it and sometimes I would like when I was like over there, I would walk into the room when she was watching it and I did say, like, what are these accents? Um <laughs> and that's coming from somebody who lives in New Jersey. I feel like that's not a good sign. But uh I will say like I'm sure that's probably like the TV show that was on at the time. But let's be honest, Friday Night Lights is such a good TV show. If like he, I feel like if he had to pick which was going to be in the lower third. 
Well, you got to think about the synergy, though. Heart of yeah, Dixie would have been on that's the CW, that's right? The, that's the Warner, the WB synergy, baby. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, go watch Heart of, Heart of Dixie because you loved him so much in this doc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think uh, Heart of Dixie was CW. So that would have been the connection there. So, yeah, I did have the same thought. I had to go look him up. That's the only reason I knew he was a voice actor in uh, one of the video games. So, yeah, I guess he's just a big super fan and they brought him in. Uh, but he did have some good things, too. He uh, did. I was, I, was I was like, good job. Good job, Street. <laughs> <laughs> he was good about that. Um, the other thing, just focusing on the villains, I thought was interesting because uh, I guess I had never thought about it in this way. The narration by Christopher uh, Lee says the supervillain reflects our fears and frustrations. And I guess I had never really thought about it in that way in terms of like, you know, villains who take over the world or they're just killing somebody out of revenge or whatever. But I've never thought about putting as a writer, like putting your personal fears onto a villain. But I guess you could do it in that way. Um, like I'm thinking, because I bring this up all the time, like Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, the Lex Luthor in that film has fears related to Superman uh, that are pretty, I think, fairly reasonable. He's like, oh my gosh, there's this alien who shoots fire from his eyes. You know, that's a, that's a very scary thing. And so I guess if you wanted to like put yourself onto that character and make it a realistic human reaction, you would be putting your fears about the hero onto that character. And I never really thought about it in that way before. Yeah, it's super interesting. And they even mention it in the documentary that like the Lex Luthor perspective on Superman, um, it like is kind of it, 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 depending on how you present it in, you know, media, comics, books, you know, um, TV, it's kind of reasonable. Like, here's this guy, he is super, super strong and he can pretty much do anything and nobody can really take him down. He's kind of invincible. And, uh, and he just gets, to decide what's right and wrong and you just have to kind of live with what he decides <laughs> and uh, and you know we know that clark kent is a is a good dude uh but you know you're putting a lot of faith in just some random dude you don't know that well so who came from another planet who came from another planet and uh so i feel like the uh the lex luther thing is always kind of interesting and when they dive into that part of because Lex Luthor has changed a lot over the different incarnations and but whenever they dive into like that part of his like well you know you know part of it is just that I think that this guy's like weird and creepy and like it, it weirds me out that uh you know he has so much power not me Lex Luthor uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that there is something a little bit understandable in his motivations and I always think it's fun when when the uh the movies and the tv shows and stuff play with that because it's like you know, when he's just like a, a a crazy mad scientist billionaire who wants to like take over the world. So you're like, yeah, no, that feels right. I mean, for every billionaire, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of black and white. Whereas if he goes like, I, I don't know though, like, are we giving Superman too much power? He can just kind of do whatever he wants and we really can't stop him. <laughs> then you do have to stop and go, I mean, I guess we can't. <laughs> yeah, and uh, to your point, Lex Luthor has been uh, played around with a little bit in terms of his characterization because in terms of the hero and the vill villain status too, like Superman Red Sun, uh, Lex Luthor is the president of the United States and Superman is sort of a tyrannical mm -hmm. kind of dictatorish. 
figure. So, uh, so that you can you can play with those characters and and flip them a little bit. And they talked about that in the documentary too. How do you take a hero and make him make a bad decision and come back from it? And how do you take a bad guy? and redeem them in some way or do you even want to redeem a bad guy so i think those were writing wise i think i thought those were really interesting discussions to be had in terms of story and how you do these different turns with the characters and and how you make a story work i thought was really uh, a good discussion to be had yeah and as somebody who uh isn't a green lantern fan um (laughs) and doesn't know anything about his stories i was surprised to learn that there was a period of time when like hal jordan's character green lantern character turned bad and became i think parallax yes parallax uh you should look up the um the cover where he's got all of uh, uh search green lantern rings uh he there's a really famous cover where the uh greenland uh hal is like on the cover and he's got all the green lantern rings on uh it's a pretty creepy col- uh cover how jordan oh. rings cover yeah so uh so that's where he yeah it's uh let me see if i can pull yeah, it up on the stream he's looking pretty intense <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll see if i can pull that up on the stream so everybody can see it but uh but yeah they've they've played around with the different interpretations of even uh, Green Lantern, who uh, by all accounts should be a hero uh, for whatever reason. I cannot pull this up on the stream. So uh, just do uh, Google searches uh, for how how Jordan uh, Green Lantern rings. Let me see. I think I might be able to do that really quick. Um, All the ones I was finding were like, error, you cannot uh, look at this. Um, here we go. So I believe it's it's this one, right? Where yes. he's like got all the rings and he's yeah. kind of like <laughs> like you can, Maniacal you can hear, laugh. <laughs> you can hear the evil laughter in this photo <laughs> <laughs> through the screen. Uh Green Lantern not doing great right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they talked about how you uh play around with those different shades of characters, and I, I thought that was a really good discussion. And something they also mentioned, which is something that I had never thought about with a villain, was that the documentary discusses temptation and how we can relate to that in a villain. And I guess if you are a bad guy and you do bad things, you are tempted to do those bad things. It goes against, uh, you know, you might have a moral center. Some of these villains might have a moral code that they live by, but that they can be tempted and then succumb to that temptation to do a bad thing. And that was also something I had never really thought about in those terms before but i think that is something that if you wanted to write a bad guy that you could uh maybe not relate to that might not be the greatest way to put it but uh empathize with in some way um i mean we all kind of go through periods where we're tempted to do something bad or we're tempted to think something bad and so we all deal with temptation as human beings but these characters in comic books, when they're tempted, sometimes they give into it and they do a bad, a, a bad thing. So uh, I thought that was also a really interesting um, comment to make about villainy in comic books in particular. Yeah, I thought that was was interesting. I liked how they kind of talked about, you know, that that the villains are kind of like some part of like the collective id almost that like they're the things that, you know, they do things that maybe, you know, some people sometimes want to do like 
you know, we, we all would like more money, but we don't usually go rob a bank with our cold guns to get it. So it's <laughs> like, you know, they, they take kind of a very human want or desire to like be powerful or, you know, to be rich or eat all of these other things. And they really twist it. And I thought that that was really interesting. I love the um, when they were talking about, again, Batman villains, but what are you going to do? Um, how the Batman villains are, some of them, the big ones, are just kind of manifestations of different parts of Bruce's character. So, like, Bruce is a detective, so you have to give him a villain that leaves a lot of clues. So you give him um, the Riddler. Oh, the Riddler. I was about to say, oh, now I'm going to forget. And, um, you know, they talked about, like, other different aspects of, of Batman and how these different villains bring out those different aspects. And they did the same with like Superman, which is like Lex Luthor can't outsmarts him more than he can, you know, overpower him because he's just a guy. But then, you know, you have somebody like doomsday or you have somebody like Zod who can actually fight him on like a person to person level. Yeah. I, I think those are the, the aspects of the documentary where I, I think really, uh, elevated the discussion about these concepts. I think those are really interesting because then you could have some examples to point to to say, this is how we have done it here at DC Comics with the people who have written these stories. Um, so I thought that those were all really good discussions. Um, New Rachel in the chat has a really good question. Are there any villains you feel like the documentary overlooked or actors who should have been included so this Ooh. would have been 2013 2013 so you have to think back there if you want to uh, drop uh, taking it back in. 10 years ago <laughs> <laughs> so hmm. that would have been prior to the supergirl tv series yes pre-supergirl so, <laughs> so we cannot mention any supergirl people in there um they sort of the uh they they mentioned dark side I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big dark side fan um but one of the things i like about I shouldn't say that I like about dark side. Um, <laughs> one of the things I thought was really good about what the DCEU did with dark side that I think I would want to see, I don't know if it's always the case with, uh, with dark side, but, um, but so like dark side is famous for having the anti-life equation, which uh, removes people's free will and he can control them and take over whole worlds and civilizations. And what I thought the DCEU did really well is that they, uh, contrasted him with Superman who was the embodiment of free will and I always thought that that was a really cool hero villain dynamic that you had somebody who embodied free will and another the villain who took it away and I thought that, that was really cool so I wish there had been more of a philosophical take on dark side to see what people had about to say about him because sometimes I think dark side is just depicted as this tyrannical ruler in this hellscape of apocalypse and he has these, uh, you know, parademon uh, hench, henchmen and just kind of is a bad guy who does bad things. And I feel like I'm frozen again. Am I frozen again? No. Oh, yeah, you are. God. <laughs> All right. You weren't for a second and then you uh, and then you froze. <laughs> OK, I will come back. I will go out and come back in. Uh, but if you want, uh, Morgan, if you have any villains that you feel like the documentary overlooked, uh Feel free to talk about that while I uh, try to fix this. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think 
So I, I don't have like specific villains that I can think of right offhand that the documentary overlooked, but they were really light on Wonder Woman. They like showed Cheetah and they're like, Cheetah and Wonder Woman were friends and now they're not. Um, and then they just kind of skimmed it and they're like, oh, and she had some like brother at one point. And then those are the two. Um, but I would have I would have loved to see them play a little bit more with some of Wonder Woman's villains because we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of super. Well, not a lot, but we got some Superman, got a lot of Batman, we got a lot of Green Lantern, some Flash. Uh, but I feel like they really, they really kind of skimmed out when it came to the other, um, you know, the other member of the 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 big trilogy, which is usually Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. They got to Wonder Woman. There was like, yeah, we all remember Cheetah. Okay, moving on. Um, so yeah, I would have loved to see more. I think more Wonder Woman villains. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go do a deep dive on the other two, you gotta give, you gotta give her. A couple of throw a couple of her villains in there. Um, good question. Uh, it looks like Rebecca is coming back. All right, you're back. Sure, <laughs> my audio is okay. I don't know. Chrome is just failing me. I do we think it's Chrome or do we think it's Streamyard? I think my Chrome is freezing up. Oh no! Yeah, so Streamyard and 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 we have not been doing very well recently. So we have upset Streamyard in a way that <laughs> <laughs> we have angered the Streamyard gods. Uh, the only thing that you missed is that I said that I didn't have a specific villain in mind, but I felt like they did. They talked a lot about Superman villains. They talked a lot, a lot about Batman villains. And then they were like, and, and Green also, Lantern villains. And also Wonder Woman exists and there's Cheetah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, <laughs> so I would have liked to like I would have liked to get more into Wonder Woman villains because uh it's been a while since I read like some of the George Perez run on her um on her book. But even if like the point they were making is like some heroes don't have like the Batman, like, you know, rogues gallery or the Flash rogues gallery, like that would, I think, also have been interesting if they're like, yeah, you know, Wonder Woman, here's why, you know, Wonder Woman doesn't have big iconic villains like Superman does or Batman does. I thought that would have been interesting. But then they were like, and Wonder Woman anyway. Yeah, people, uh, I think most people would attribute Cheetah to Wonder Woman. But what what I think is uh, missing there is Ares. Ares is a great yes. villain. <laughs> You, you mentioned that George uh, Perez or Perez version of Wonder Woman. Ares is amazing. He's a great villain in that comic book run. He and, is. Uh, he's a very powerful foe and only uh, Diana could really fight him. And so I think uh, Ares would definitely be one that I think that the documentary maybe should have talked about, especially because that would have been a really cool discussion about how to incorporate these uh would he he would have been a greek god aries yes i always get the uh, greek and Roman yes. gods uh mixed up but uh yeah but incorporating these like greek mythology characters into the comic book mythology and how they you know how how do you do that how do you bring these characters from of old and bring them into the comic book world and make them work in this world and what does that mean for you know, worldviews in the multiverse. So I think that could be a really cool discussion uh, because the 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 Greek gods, you know, Artemis and uh, Zeus and um, trying to think of all the the different ones, but they're they're all existing existing within the world of DC Comics and in uh, Wonder Woman's mythology. So I think Ares would be another one for sure. I think that's that's upsetting that he was. <sighs> Did they show him 
They might have shown him. They talked about one of uh, her villains, which was like um, her like half brother or her brother that was like cast out of um, of I think Olympus. But it but, wasn't Ares, though. But it wasn't Ares. Yeah. 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 And and they. I mean, I think the fact that uh, I know a lot about Green Lantern's villains now, but nothing about Wonder Woman's shows that they didn't really go in depth. <laughs> they were just like, oh, so I guess she's got a brother. He's evil anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Wonder Woman, especially if, if, and I don't know a ton of Wonder Woman mythology, but I definitely know that Ares would have been one to talk about. And I think that it, you make up a great point that if there is a conversation where it's like, well, she don't really have that big of a rogues gallery then that would be a, a discussion of, well, maybe we need to create some. Yeah. And I think it was Marv Wolfman in the documentary where he said, if you have a hero fight a villain that they've already gone up against before, always introduce a new character alongside them. And I thought that was actually really clever. I think that's a good strategy to continually introduce new characters um, by sort of putting them in a story with another uh, uh common foe that a hero goes up against and it's a way to keep the material fresh and i think you could do that with wonder woman if she doesn't have the same kind of rogue gallery um yeah. as some of these other big characters maybe work on that with may you can you, you can make some uh because it reminded me of some of like the supergirl um comics that we read where you know they would use like a a, a villain that we've heard of before and then they would make up a new one um trying to think of what was the, the the lady who was like uh made of crystal oh my gosh do you remember it started, her do you remember, started with a g do you remember when she was falling and she was like this again in and that she, one panel she, and, I'll and never it was like it. it was like one where like there was no glass yes <laughs> uh, oh my gosh what was her name the, uh, this uh, that's i gonna cannot bother remember me. We, we have to find it now because that's gonna <laughs> bother me uh, was, uh uh, I can't remember um, what comment was that. Adventures of Supergirl. That was Rebirth. Uh, or or is that Rebirth? I'm pretty sure it was Rebirth. Can you hear me? Yeah, because I think yes, it was a okay. uh, Viral Dox was a, a a villain in Adventures of Supergirl. So it started with a G, and I cannot remember. Oh man, this is gonna oh, haunt me. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well. I, we'll... <laughs> And I can't even search my Google Docs because I'm like, how do I search for that? Uh, <laughs> what was her name? But uh, anyway, I loved her. Uh, obviously not enough to remember her name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she was an icon. And <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh I'm looking, now I'm looking up Supergirl villains. It's got to be it's got to be late rebirth. Supergirl. Rebirth, yeah, I think it like, was. Let's see. Villain teams. Do, do, do human villains no she was definitely like a crystal lady <laughs> <laughs> oh my i'll gosh. never remember but i'll never forget that's the point <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's gonna bother me we'll have to do it was um oh my gosh it was that same run where that guy who uh zinder cole oh look, yes. up, look up zinder cole it was his mother Oh, that's right. Uh, How would you even spell that? <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> Z apostrophe N D R Cole K O L. Cinder Cole. What was his mother's name? 
we're going to, we're going to figure this out. We are going to find this. Um, my Google's like, I have literally no idea what you're trying to get from me. (laughs) (laughs) I guess there's not a lot of people Googling Zinder Cole's mother. (laughs) And I think personally, I think that's rude. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to figure this out. I promise. Uh, let's see. All right. So Gandello. Gandello. That's who it was. Yes. 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 Okay. The that... Google Docs have saved me again. We got it. We got it. Anyway, got it. loved her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she she was definitely a new uh, villain for Supergirl specifically in the Rebirth run, and uh, so she was uh, introduced to to give Supergirl somebody new to face. And new Rachel even says in the chat, the facet was like that in the adventures. Uh, oh, uh, of Supergirl run by that, Sterling that Gates. Was, that was another one that I was, I think I was conflating Facet and Gandello, uh, both icons in their own way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like to the point where it's like, yeah, I guess Supergirl has villains that she goes up against, but she doesn't have like her Joker or her Lex Luthor, I, I wouldn't say necessarily. Um, like the one that everybody knows and you're like, Oh, the villain for Superman is Lex Luthor. The villain for Batman is the Joker, but that kind of gives you more flexibility to create new villains. And like, you know, look at Harley Quinn as an example of, you know, like a one-off villain that they created for the, the Batman TV show that just really took off. Now she's got her own show. So like, you never know if you might be creating like the new iconic Supergirl villain. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is a good problem to have because then it, it it makes you it forces you to be creative as a writer to come up with something new and uh, try to deliver something fresh. Because every one of these big villains, Joker, Sinestro, uh, the Riddler, uh, other villains, uh, the, <laughs> those, those at one time were introduced by a writer who that they didn't exist previously and yeah. so somebody introduced them and they became a big state you know they became big staples of the DC universe so uh i think that um i think it was was darkseid introduced in jimmy olsen's pal uh superman's pal jimmy olsen i feel like he was i think the i think, I think so i think darkseid was introduced in a jimmy olsen comic oh my god that's so funny so, so you never know what's going to take off so i think it it actually is a good uh, way to force a writer to have to come up with something new and fresh. So I think it's actually a good problem when the the character doesn't have uh, a big a villain to go up against because then you could create one. Um, yeah, it's an opportunity. So I, I kind of wish like they could have taken that tack of being like, you know, not all of these uh, superheroes have iconic villains. And, you know, it would have it actually would have been really fun to get into some of like the weirder, wackier villains. Cause they talk about like, there are literally thousands of villains in the, um, in the DC canon. And I mean, let's, let's get into them. Like kite man is a real character. Uh, I, like <laughs> <laughs> when I started watching Harley Quinn and he showed up, I was like, what a funny joke about like what kind of weird villains there could be. And um, Mike was like, I, I think that he's real. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a character in the comic. Yeah. I, I love that they like, there's these, you know, these truly wild out there villains that like maybe we're in one or two issues or like we're back in the silver age or something and they are amazing to talk about like i i would have liked if they talked about some lesser known 
villains in addition to like the heavy hitters they were like you know yeah you have sinestro and the joker but also clock man <laughs> yeah clock king or whatever it is clock king clock king sometimes i think awesome. clock king has like a clock for a face clock for a face yeah that's the version i love <laughs> he's, he's so cute <laughs> uh yeah well that's a good point though even though batman has this great rogues gallery with these uh really famous villains some of his rogues gallery are these like weird ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to pump uh new, uh new life into the Batman uh, mythology with. So I think that's a really good point. Um, well, before we wrap up our time talking about this documentary, uh, I thought we uh, could go through uh, a category list that the documentary mentions. They, they sort of break up, villains in a uh, into categories so like all villains are usually these things so they uh so the categories of villains are monster mad scientist militant general criminal mastermind and the femme fatale so uh so i thought we could maybe go through a list of supergirl tv show villains and maybe put those villains into those categories if we can put them into them so uh morgan do you um uh, I love it. I, I, should I uh, share my screen? Sure. Or because uh, I can you remember the categories? I guess I could reiterate them. But it's monster, mad scientist, militant general. Actually, do we have that in the doc? We do. Okay, so you know, so we don't have to like uh, continually repeat them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. So uh, we can just do these. Pretty. I've got a big list, so we yeah. can go through these. Um, okay, so Vartox, he is the uh, bad guy in the pilot episode of Supergirl season one. He's like, uh, you're a woman and I don't like ladies and I'm going to beat you up. That kind of guy. Uh, so he, he had a he had an axe. They scale real long and I'm mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so what do you, what category would you put Vartox in? I feel like he had like a monster vibe for me. Yeah, he's definitely not a, a mad scientist because he wasn't real smart. He not wasn't. Smart. He, he didn't have the authority to be a militant general. No, he, he wasn't smart enough to be a criminal mastermind. And I don't see him as a femme fatale. So yeah, <laughs> I would put him as monster as well. Okay, Helgramite. I I hate to keep saying monster, but I think also monster on this. I one? I think also monster. Yes, that's where I would put him. Okay, so Astra. Where Ooh. would you put Astra? Astra, I feel like kind of militant general there because she was like she had her own group that she was like leading uh of the like kryptonians so and the people in the uh the phantom zone was it the phantom zone or it was a uh, the the jail fort Roz. fort Roz. that's right astra was literally a general that's true uh, <laughs> so, so yes i would put her as militant general okay non Ooh, I feel like he's also kind of in the same category for me. Yeah, I w he he kind of came after Astra, so yeah, militant general for non Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord, I feel like is a um oh, he's kind of interesting. I think he's a combo of like the criminal mastermind and the mad scientist. Yeah. But I think he leans a little bit more towards criminal mastermind. Yeah, he's a tough one because I because it seemed like the cat the categories in the film the documentary film were like they have to only be in one, but maybe you could maybe you could put them in two different categories I, I and think, mix them up. 
He's he's straddling the line, I think. Yeah. But if I had to pick one, I would pick Criminal Mastermind. If I had to pick one, I might put him as mad scientist because Ooh. he he did all those bizarro experiments. He sure did. <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't think he was as much a mastermind. He was definitely a criminal. I don't know if he was a mastermind, but, uh, <laughs> but I think I would put him as mad scientist uh, because of bizarro. OK, Reactron. Reactron was episode three of season one. He had hmm. like the the suit. Yeah, I feel like. Oh. He's a tough one, too. I'm vaguely leaning towards mad scientist, but I could be convinced of, like, monster. <laughs> I was going monster. Yeah. Uh, even, the, like, uh, I don't guess monsters have to be some other non-human characters. I feel like I don't a, think that they I feel like a yeah. human character could be a monster. So, yeah. Okay. Reactron monster. Uh, Livewire. Ooh, Livewire uh, is definitely criminal mastermind. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, does femme fatale always have to be like sexual? I feel like femme fatale has like a certain like like a, like a subtext like sensuality to yeah. it. Okay. Um, in some way, even if it's like not necessarily like I'm the sexiest gal around, <laughs> there is there's something that's like a little bit sultry about a femme fatale. Whereas okay. live wire was just like I'm going to electrocute you. <laughs> yeah, you know I might. I hate to say this about live wire because I love <laughs> love live wire so much. I might put her as monster. Ooh, even though twist. she gets even though she gets redeemed later that's yeah i could kind of yeah i could kind of see an argument for monster because although she, she gets those powers and immediately is like i'm gonna electrocute everyone although i could see there you could make a case for criminal mastermind she did uh break into cat's monitors that's and did true. like hey i'm a villain i'm uh so she had plans and also she teamed up with Silver Banshee where they can, you know, they uh, planned some things out. Okay. I've convinced myself criminal mastermind <laughs> is more appropriate. Uh, okay. Uh, Red Tornado. Red Tornado uh, <laughs> is tough because they gave, they gave poor Red a raw deal on, <laughs> on the series. So I'm going to go monster on for poor Red Tornado. Yeah, Red Tornado didn't really have much of a mind of his own, it seemed like. So I would also say Monster. Not the best showing for him, for sure. <laughs> no, but we we did uh, create a storyline where he was surfing. Red yeah. Tornado's a big surfer. <laughs> That's in, true. In our Listen, minds. On his off hours, man, he's just catching those gnarly ladies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Toy Man. Ooh, I think, ooh, Toy Man... Because I'm, uh, I feel like you gotta go mad scientist for Toy Man. Uh, yeah. Because he's inventing things. Because he's inventing things. That yeah. that was my thought process. He's also a character I think straddles between mad scientist and criminal mastermind. Oh, for sure. But yeah. I think if you had to pick one, yeah, I'm going to go mad scientist there. All right. So who are we going to now? Okay. I think so Bizarro. Bizarro. I feel like I feel like Bizarro's got real monster vibes. Yeah, uh, Mon uh, Bizarro is the uh, the monster version of Supergirl, so I would say monster there. Um, although in in her heart, Bizarro in her heart is not a Bizarro. That's just, true. Just misunderstood. <laughs> just really need like Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Master Jailer, uh, lock, um, locking people up, throwing chains on people. 
that's that's definitely a militant general if I ever saw one. <laughs> yeah, I would also say militant general for Master Jailer. All right, Red K Kara. This one's tough because I don't feel like Red K Kara really fits into any of these categories because she's just kind of out of control. I don't think that she's masterminding anything. She's just like, could I chaos a bit? What if I <laughs> what if I destroyed my own life? So I don't know. Maybe femme fatale because she does uh she does she, dance up on Jimmy in a way that she, makes they, him uncomfortable. There there is a uh, a sexy component to Red <laughs> K Kara. So yeah I'm gonna go she's like I'm wearing fatale. black now and it's tight and he, Jimmy's like I don't know what to do with this <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so let's go to the next one silver banshee silver banshee i feel like you could probably make an argument for monster and you could also make an argument for criminal mastermind i'm not really sure i would not put her as criminal mastermind <laughs> yeah i mean the, the, the mastermind I, if you did Cr- criminal master, but criminal then... criminal i could see i, I got then i gotta go i just gotta go monster i was just sorry she's just like a sexy monster like, i can't do anything about it <laughs> i think i'm gonna put her as monster uh on that one as well uh indigo uh indigo the, the, is the greatest hand is acting giving me is giving me femme fatale like i know that <laughs> yes. i know that indigo is probably closer to like a a militant general or like a mad scientist but like the finger acting like the way that she would just kind of slide up to non like what's up did your <laughs> wife die sad uh, <laughs> I feel like that's cl- classic femme fatale behavior. Yes. 100%. Okay, Lillian Luther. Lillian Luther, my girl. I feel like <laughs> she's she's a criminal mastermind because she is not a mad scientist. She's not going to like go into the lab and like tinker herself. That's what the other people do. Okay, I will counterpoint. Ooh, okay. When she was first introduced in Supergirl, she was introduced as the doctor. And she that has created true. Metallo. And she also, we mm. found out in season five during the whole like uh, Lena Luther Metallo situation that Lillian Luther had created her as Metallo. So she could she could Ooh. lean towards mad scientists because she was with Project Cadmus and all of that kind of stuff. True. And That's she hung true. around with Cyborg Superman. I just think of her like as like like a bad business, Lillian Luther, <laughs> with, the, with the past the pink pastels, with her pink pastels <laughs> and her pearl in her, in her boardroom with her tiny purse that she carries, <laughs> like a boss. She's like she's hashtag girl bossing. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of on my Lillian Luther vision board. But you, you are right in that she has created some monsters in her day. Who among us have it? Uh, <laughs> So maybe maybe I could I could get on the the mad scientist bandwagon with her as well. I love Lillian Luther so much. So uh, great. I think I would put her at mad scientist. All right, let's do it. Mad okay, scientist. okay. All right, Queen Rhea. Ooh, uh, Queen Rhea. I feel like is a militant general. Yeah, that's where I would put her as well. She was commanding forces. Uh, <laughs> uh, Metallo. Hmm. I feel like Metallo is kind of kind of monstery. Yeah, uh, definitely monster. Uh, roulette. 
Ooh, this is a good one because I don't remember remember her too well. Roulette was the the uh like the ringmaster of the underground fighting ring that they had in oh, season two. She had the red yes, dress that was yes. like split. Okay, that's that's classic femme fatale. I still remember the red. I don't remember her. I remember the red dress. That says femme fatale all over to me. Yes, I would say <laughs> femme fatale, uh, just because of the dress. Uh, and the things that she she was uh, kind of in that underground uh, crime area. So I think yeah. that put her there. Okay, so Cyborg Superman. <laughs> hmm. I think Monster. Yeah, Monster. He wasn't super smart. He didn't no. really do much anything, but he was oh. kind of like, <laughs> a real missed opportunity with him. So yeah, really, I would say really was. I would say Monster Music Meister. So this is my issue with these categories of villains is I feel like there should be like a trickster category. Oh, yes. Like, or just like a cha- like chaos agent category. Like, yes, I don't see Music Meister as somebody who's got like a, a, a military mission or a plan of any kind. He's just like, wouldn't it be funny if <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really care what happens after that. Um, and so I don't know with the, with the categories we have. I feel like maybe a criminal mastermind doesn't feel right. And mad scientist doesn't feel right. But monster also doesn't feel right. So I'm not, I'm sort of at a loss with him. Yeah. If I had to pick one, I guess I would say criminal mastermind because he did create a world in which they had to sing their way out. of. That is, that is true. So he, he put them in there in a way that they didn't know what to do. And so he was a little smarter than them at that point so i guess that's where i would put him uh rain Ooh, ah i want a uh, military general because i feel like she's got a little bit of that uh i could also be convinced of like criminal mastermind mm. for her she's got a plan uh um, yeah 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 yes but Sam, she seems like Sam more regimented did, yeah <laughs> And also, Rain uh, had her world killers. She so did. She was kind of like a ringleader of those folks. I could go between Monster and Militant General, but I think I may maybe for this one would go Militant General. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely make an argument for Monster. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I feel like, to me, when I hear a Monster, and this is very discriminatory of me against the Monster community, is that I'm like... <laughs> I feel like the monsters aren't planning a lot of things, but you know what? Rain was. <laughs> so uh, what about our favorite of the world killers? Grace. Slash, oh, slash Grace, pestilence. girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> we love Grace here. Uh, yeah, Grace is a monster for sure. <laughs> <laughs> she enjoyed being a villain. I'm going to put her at monster as well. Uh, sigh. Ooh, I feel That's like Sai might be a monster, too. Yeah, as as she is uh, portrayed here. Oof. It's tough. Yeah, because I didn't really feel like she was a, a criminal mastermind. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go monster on Sai. Uh, Morgan Edge. I think Morgan Edge is kind of a straightforward criminal mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I'm a criminal. That's my main thing. Yeah, I think he he has aspirations to be a criminal mastermind, but on Supergirl, I don't know that he lived up to that. But oh, I think that's what he wanted to be. The mastermind you'd have to scratch out, like <laughs> line through. Uh, but that's where he wanted to go. That yes. was his. That's his goal. Yeah, that's, he has that on. 
uh, as a daily affirmation that he repeats to himself in the mirror. Like, you are a criminal mastermind, he says to himself. <laughs> okay. One of my personal favorite Supergirl villains, Overgirl. Ooh, uh, she's a tough, she's a tough one. I, I almost want to say militant general with Overgirl. She was uh, the head of her uh, her group, her Nazi Reich. She was yeah. like at the tippy top. So yeah, I would put militant general for Overgirl. I still just, I love that scene so much between Kara and Overgirl, where Overgirl's like, uh, why do you care if I take your heart? You're not using it. Oh, <gasps> I, I, I like I love that it, it works so on so many levels where she's like, she's, <laughs> she's, threatening to kill her um and she is you know um basically being like you don't need it but she's also being like you're very single right now which is like, <laughs> and amazingly like as you're about to die you're like about to be like bested by your opponent you're like i am not strong enough to like fight this battle and also that was really passive aggressive and i feel like <laughs> really sad about my social life right now <laughs> Overgirl did not have any room to talk. She was married to Oliver Queen. I, don't, uh, yes. I think it's that, better to be single at that be point. Be single. Be single. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> All right. So Selena, the head of the Kryptonian witches. Oh, Selena. She was uh she was fun. I think, hmm. I think she's got kind of a mad scientist vibe for me. I don't I didn't think that's probably wrong. But. Well, no, I could see the argument for that because she they were in charge of the world killers. I think they kind oh, of yeah. created the world killers. I'm gonna I I think uh you won me over to that. So I was initially gonna say monster. But now that I think about that, I'm gonna say my mad scientist. I think that's exactly where she needs to be. Uh okay, uh Lex Luthor. Lex is a tough one because he's very, he's known as being a criminal mastermind, but he's also known as being a mad scientist. So it's like, which of his two main things do you want to pick? But I think I'm going to go mad scientist for him. Uh, so I'm going to go criminal mastermind specifically on Supergirl. Oh, on you're right. Because on Supergirl, he's not creating much. Um, he did. He did chaos. sort of. Uh, he sort of played around, I guess, with the timeline with Nixley. So he yeah, sort of did that barely some counts. of that. Yeah, let's go criminal mastermind. I was thinking more of like a combination of the Lex Luthers. But on Supergirl, the TV show. Yeah, criminal mastermind all the way. Yeah, because that was his whole shtick for seasons four, five, and six. It was like... <laughs> Who who is behind this plan? Oh, it's Lex Luthor. Wah, wah, wah. You know, it's like it was always Lex Luthor's big plan. Uh, so I'm gonna go crim criminal mastermind. Uh, okay, this is a tough one because uh, she left us too soon. <laughs> Mercy Graves. I don't like to think about it. I, it makes me too mad. Um, it makes me too mad to think about it. Uh, I'm gonna give her a criminal mastermind. Just like let's elevate her in death. <laughs> <laughs> what she couldn't have in life. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I would like to think that she would have been the greatest of the criminal masterminds. So just, yes, let's just remember the, her in that she way. She would have been the goat, man. They, they, <laughs> she flew too close to the sun. They couldn't <laughs> let her have it. <laughs> uh, one of the characters that did survive. Miss Tessmucker, where, oh. where, where uh, are we putting her? 
I think you got to go criminal mastermind on her because she did a lot of plans. Like it turned out she was being manipulated, but she did her own scheming. So I think that like elevates her a little bit. Yeah, I think she voluntarily shot James in the back. In the she did. She was fine was with going that. to his home. Under she the took desk. that. She took that assignment on. She's like, no, no, I'll take that one. I'll take that. No. <laughs> I got it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> she did and it with pleasure. <laughs> she also murdered Jeremiah Danvers, RIP. RIP, off screen, but no <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say criminal mastermind there. Although you could make a case for monster. You could. Uh, if you wanted to. Uh, Agent Liberty. Uh, militant general, for sure. Yeah, he was in charge of a whole uh, nasty group of people. So, yeah, militant general. Uh, and he would probably see himself as a general of yeah, his side. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, this is, I'm, I'm kind of breaking this up. So, we're going to go Leviathan. <laughs> and then. Whoever uh, that is. We're not really sure who the head of Le Leviathan ended up being at the end of season five. Uh, but let's let's break it down. So, uh, Pencil Skirt. Ooh, okay. Pencil skirt. Ah, oh, I like, I, I don't want to give her criminal mastermind because I don't think she did enough to deserve it, but <laughs> I, I don't feel like anything else really uh, captures her. So uh, I think I'm going to go criminal mastermind for her. I feel like that's what she was aspiring to. I'm going to go monster because you remember <laughs> at the end when she's like revealed when she dies, she's like, she's, she's like a, she, like a rugrats character. Like, she's, she's, uh, she's like a Medusa snake lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she looks like a Angelica's doll. Yeah. From rugrats. <laughs> so I'm going to go monster for her. Uh, Ramakan. Ramakan, classic monster, man. Classic monster. <laughs> yeah. Just monsters all the way down. Just he loved throwing dirt. Yep. He loved plants. He loves his winery where he retires with a nice glass of Chianti. Yes. <laughs> so As all I, monsters do. <laughs> yeah, Leviathan, straight monsters uh, all the way through. Uh, Manchester Black. Uh, Manchester Black is another one that doesn't feel like it. he really fits into any of these categories i feel like i'm gonna go militant general with him because like he was like mission based i feel like he also had his own crew of villains that's so, true yeah, hat. So, <laughs> yes the hat uh with menagerie who i think we both loved uh yes. she just really enjoyed being a, a villain so she loved uh, it <laughs> yeah so i would say manchester black militant general red i put red daughter a question mark because she kind of became i guess redeemed at the end but for the yeah. you know for the hmm. majority of season four i guess she was a villain i think you gotta go monster on her i feel like she was like she, she was redeemed but she was kind of treated like a monster so she became one yeah and uh, she was uh, trained to be a monster as well. Lex Luthor uh, trained her to hate Supergirl. So I think I would put her in that category as well. Okay. All right. We've gotten to the end. Okay. Of the, there were some other like lesser known Supergirl villains on the TV show, but I kind of wanted to hit the high ones uh, because the list was heavy too hitters. Long. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the last one, of course is Nixley from the Phantom Zone. Hmm. Nixley's a and tough. the fifth dimension, I guess. <laughs> Nixley's tough because I feel like you could make an argument for a couple of different categories. I think I'm going to go criminal mastermind for her, but I think you could make a monster argument. I think you could maybe even make it like a militant general argument. 
She was very mission-based as well. She had oh. to collect all those uh, pieces of the oh, Rubik's the Cube to yeah. put them back together. To, <laughs> with their powers combined, she made Captain Planet or whatever. And I don't turned remember. into a lizard person. It, that, that would really speak of monster, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she ended up as a monster. I, I think you maybe could go with, she starts out as a criminal mastermind. Then she maybe goes into femme fatale with that weird romance with Lex yeah, Luthor. Yeah. And then she ends up as a monster. But then she ends up right back at monster. <laughs> <laughs> as is her destiny. <laughs> so I think that's where I would put her on the uh, villain category spectrum. I see that uh, Rachel in the chat said also would Hope as Eve be a monster? I think. Ooh. Yeah, probably. I think, uh, I think Hope's a monster. <laughs> I would want. I would want Hope to be a criminal mastermind. Like she's just, <laughs> she's just planning everything. She has got every, she's just, everybody else is just puppets. To Hope. Everybody's playing checker. She's playing chat. <laughs> <laughs> I would put uh, Hope the AI as criminal mastermind. That's where, that's where I like to see her. Uh, let's see. Uh, I guess we could hop into the chat real quick. Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, Marcy Dalmatian in the chat says, in the real world, there's a stigma around around mental health conditions, which likely explains some of the backstories of certain DC villains. And actually, uh, the documentary talks about how with villains, you really need an origin story to explain why they uh, do the things that they do. So that's one component of writing a villain is to give them a good backstory uh, to help you understand them. So uh, I think that... Uh, that's a great point to make. Yeah, I think that's it was it, it was great that they also had and I, I I believe her name is Andrea. I can't remember her last name, but from the Arkham sessions. We're podcast. pretty sure that was her. Yeah, we're pretty sure. We're not a hundred percent, but we're pretty sure. Uh like to talk about it from like a like a psychiatrist, like psychological point of view, because I think that is is an interesting point that they like that they try to get into like real psychology on what would be driving some of these villains to make them more interesting and like more complex. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, let's see Uh new Rachel in the chat says Indigo is the femme fatale for her weird thing with none, but also from her <laughs> mastermind because she's a brainiac. Also a good point. She does have uh, intelligence to her. Uh, let's see if there are any, Oh, new Rachel also asked a question that I don't know if we should answer. Oh. Are we counting Lena Luther as a villain? I mean, I think if you count it, like if you count her season five blip, uh, where she uh, <laughs> she, she goes, mind controls she the world, like a little bit of a little like she's having a bad day. Okay, she's, like, she's just taking away people's it's free will. It's really no hard when deal. your friends. It's really hard when your friends keep secrets from you. So <laughs> then you have to make sure that no one can ever keep secrets again. Uh, <laughs> makes sense to me. Uh, no, uh, I think that she would be. A criminal mastermind though if you well no i think maybe she'd be a mad maybe, scientist oh definitely she had a yeah. frankenstein remember that when adam guy murdered that she guy, <laughs> murdered a guy. <laughs> whoops <laughs> oh we love lena here though honestly science murder whoever you want girl <laughs> she, she uh was one of those characters who is a, a gray character who waffled between uh aspirations for being a good character she she wanted to change the way that the Luther name was uh, conceived by the public and or, or perceived by the public, I should say. And uh, she wanted to do good in the world. She starts the Lena Luther Foundation, which 
We're still not totally sure what they do. It does something great, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's not about trees, though, which is disappointing. <laughs> she, <laughs> she loves trees, but it's not saving them, I guess. It's some sort of science mumbo jumbo that I don't really fully understand. Uh, but she she has aspirations to help the world. So I guess in that way, she would be a hero. And she's she's embraced by the other heroes on the show. She becomes part of the team. Um, yeah. So she's not a villain uh, all the way through the series, uh, no. but she does have a, she a, little, a little blip season four she and five. She has a little blip. She has a little <laughs> villainous <laughs> moment, as we all do. I think it's funny because, to me, some of the most interesting characters are the ones that are a little bit more morally gray that could kind of go either way. Um, so I, you know, you got you got to love a, a character who's got some some layers. You're like, are they good? Are they bad? Uh oh, what are they doing now? <laughs> I guess that's fair. Most of the characters on Supergirl had moments where sometimes Actually, they yeah. <laughs> Actually, a lot of the characters had moments where you're like, John, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Supergirl went evil several times. So. A couple of times. Listen, who are, who are we to judge? <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, Lena can be both, I suppose. Uh, and just to answer Stanley's uh, question in the chat, did you mention Granny Goodness and the Female Furies? Well, we didn't for this particular exercise because we were focusing on the Supergirl TV show villains. Uh, but Granny Goodness and the Female Furies have been uh, Supergirl foes in the comic books before. Um, so that is a good thing to point out. Uh, but for our little category game here, uh, it was specifically villains of the Supergirl TV series. Now, well, Rebecca, I, I don't yes. have a lot of experience with Granny Goodness um, or the Female Furies, but if you had to quickly, oh, like uh, judgment style, uh, put them into a category, what would you? Okay, do? Granny Goodness would be militant general. Okay, the Female Furies, I think just straight monster just straight monsters yeah just love it all of them would be monsters yes i think that's <laughs> that's where i would squarely it's, put it's it's funny because now that we mention it like they didn't um they didn't really get brought up at all in the documentary no and they're uh part of the dark side where i think you could spend a whole yeah. section on villainy in the world of apocalypse because there's Ooh. there's a whole other world going on on apocalypse with uh, Apocalypse and Steppenwolf and Granny Goodness, the Female Furies, that whole New Gods uh, area of DC. You could you could spend a lot of time in that area, but they didn't really uh, they didn't talk much about Apocalypse, which I thought was strange because Darkseid is like considered the big bad of the DC universe. So it was kind of strange that they didn't really focus much on them in uh, the documentary of uh, Necessary Evil Supervillains of DC Comics. Uh, and speaking of which, Morgan, I guess, did you have any final thoughts? Would you recommend this to a DC fan? You know, I think I would, because I thought it was fun. Uh, I, I liked putting it on. I liked learning about the different villains. I think, you know, there are, obviously, there are comic super fans who know all of this, who are very versed in DC. But I think a lot of comics fans are well versed in like a couple of characters or a couple of portions of a specific universe but maybe don't know as much about somebody else so i think that you can you can definitely still learn about different villains and even if you don't you can kind of learn about how the storytelling aspect of what goes into making a good villain and what their story purpose is and you know how how the creatives behind the scenes kind of look at creating a good villain so i thought it was really i thought it was really interesting and fun so i would definitely recommend it i wish it was a little more focused or a little bit tighter 
because I do feel like it it kind of it kind of went in with a very like Wikipedia approach uh, where it went real broad. And I was, uh, you know, I, I did kind of question like who the audience was for. But I think overall, I sat down and enjoyed it. So I think a lot of people would. Yeah, I would also say if you're a DC Comics fan, this is something that you would probably enjoy and maybe get something out of. Uh, I also was uh, pleasantly surprised. I'd seen this a long time ago. Uh, so I, I was re-watching it for this. So uh, after having watched Super Superpowered, the DC story, where it was kind of disappointing that comics were kind of there, but not yeah. as much, <laughs> this one is pretty much all about the comics. There are some mentions of some of like uh, maybe a little bit of the TV shows. And um, I'm just trying to think there, there was a mention of like the dark Knight with the Joker, but it was mostly about comic book stories, which That's I really found true. very refreshing. Um, so I enjoyed it on, uh, on that, that aspect. So uh, if you are looking for a new documentary, just to kind of hang out with and enjoy, this is uh, probably a good one for you to check out. Well, I think before we totally wrap up our uh, conversation on this, uh, Morgan, would you like to uh, make some snap judgments? Yes, of course. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Okay, so our first snap judgment... Which villain team would win in a battle? The Rogues versus the Suicide Squad. So uh, anybody watching live in the chat, you're welcome to hmm. play along with us and uh, let us know what you think there in the chat. So uh, the Rogues versus the Suicide Squad. I think, okay, so the Suicide Squad, I, I think I'm going to pick the Suicide Squad. And the reasons are that they've got Amanda Waller who yes. uh, is a little <laughs> bit of a, a, a militant general slash criminal mastermind of her own. Um, and also they have a real incentive to win the battle. Otherwise they get killed. So I think uh, because of the incentive to stay alive, I think they are <laughs> going to work a little harder to uh, win uh, whatever battle they go into. So I'm going to say the suicide squad. Yeah. You know, I was leaning towards the rogues, but now that you mentioned it, the Suicide Squad is very motivated. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think I'm going to go with the Suicide Squad on this one, too. Um, okay. You're writing a comic book story and need a villain. You can only develop a new character from one of the categories mentioned in Necessary Evil, supervillains of DC Comics. Do you choose a mad scientist or a femme fatale? I did this for Indigo. I did the little hand acting for Indigo. <laughs> uh I think I would uh, find my writing a mad scientist a little more interesting. I love femme fatales. Uh, like I love the Dick Tracy movie with uh, Madonna as Breathless Mahoney. Uh, so I love, <laughs> I love a femme. I mean, Catwoman's a femme fatale. Um, so I think they're, they're really fun characters, but I think if I was writing it, I think I would have more fun with a mad scientist. Yeah. Mad scientists are really fun. I, I do think I'm going to go with a femme fatale. I just like the, uh, I love the old, like kind of like film noir, like that the Dane came in and she, <laughs> she's always like smoking a cigarette. Like, I don't know. I'm in danger or something. Uh, I love, I love a good femme fatale. I feel like we don't get enough of them. Uh, Cause they, they do talk about it in the documentary. They, you know, they, they, 
Catwoman they reference, but also Poison Ivy, who I used oh, to love, yeah. uh, and I still do. But uh, like Poison Ivy from like the '90s, I feel like was very much a femme fatale. Like she was just like, "Hold on, I'm gonna kiss you to death," and <laughs> she always had the best lipstick. So uh, I think I would go femme fatale. I think you would write a great femme fatale. Thank I think you. that would be a good story. <laughs> Okay, we need to answer the question that the documentary didn't want to settle on. Who came first, the hero or the villain? That, I mean, you could make arguments for both of these. You really could. Uh, I think I, maybe we could uh, phrase it as uh, which would you, like if you were writing a story, how would you approach it? Um, Ooh, good question. I think the criminal i think the villain would come first in my story because i think to their point about the protagonist and how the villain is what gets things going i think for me you don't have a need to create a hero unless there's some danger or trouble in the world so i think i think i would go the villain came first hmm i don't know i kind of feel like usually this hmm because, like, I think the villain is great, but I feel like from a story perspective, you usually start with your hero and then you're like, how, like, what side of the hero can the villain test? Like, they give the the um, the Riddler example for, for Batman, you know, the Riddler only really exists to test Batman's detective skills. And so if there was no Batman to have detective skills, what about the Riddler? So I think <laughs> I'm going to go the opposite. I think the hero comes first and then the villain comes out of a need to test like a specific part of that hero's character. Well, I'm sorry to anyone listening or watching. We did not answer the question. We did. Uh, and we didn't come down definitively <laughs> on anyone's side. <laughs> we also hedged our bets like the documentary. <laughs> All right. That's going to take us out of snap judgments. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right, now we need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DCTV podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired dc tv podcast also has a t public store so if you are in need of new dc tv related t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts onesies mugs notebooks pillows or stickers go to supergirlradio.com and click on the t public store link at the top of the page now see here supergirl radio is part of the dc tv podcast network so if you want to listen to other shows we've got the flash podcast legends of tomorrow podcast the lituation room dc on hbo max podcast star girl podcast superman and lois radio green lantern podcast the sandman podcast dc tv after dark and justice league dark podcast and since this Supergirl Radio episode is all about villains, we have some villain designs in the DCTV podcast T Public Store that we would love to suggest. 
Yeah, we got some Doomsday. We've got some General Zod. We got some Lex Luthor. We got Bizarro. Lex Luthor we, looking very proud. Yeah, <laughs> we got Mixchef's Pitalik in there. We've got Rain designs. We've got all of the Supergirl and Superman villains that you could want in the DC TV podcast public store. So if you want to represent your favorite villain of the DC comics universe, we've probably got some in there for you. Not only do we have Superman family villains, we've got reverse flash. We've got Grodd. We've got Deathstroke designs. Uh, so we've got all kinds of villains in there. So definitely check the DC TV podcast T public store out. If you would like some new merch, all right, and we need to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Super Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Ann, Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Abby, Miriam, Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny, Majuba, and Lingenberry. If you'd like to become a Legion of Super Sponsor, you can visit patreon.com slash supergirlradio. And uh, we've got some fun things coming up. Uh, we are going to be releasing uh, a Patreon exclusive on Morgan's trip to Italy, and we are also going to be doing a pilot pod on Doom Patrol. Uh, so mm. I've I've been watching Doom Patrol. I got to catch up on seasons three and four. But Morgan, uh, I don't think I've I ever seen it. Doom this, Patrol. This is this was my uh, dipping my toe into the Doom Patrol pond. <laughs> so we are uh, aiming to do a pilot pod every month. So if you're interested in our takes on the first episodes of TV shows, maybe <laughs> maybe not the rest of the episodes, but just the Why first not? one, not the rest. But <laughs> <laughs> we will be doing that on the Supergirl Radio Patreon. Uh, so if you want to check me out you can find me uh on some different uh several platforms i'm on a platform called bureau true social at uh my username there is at derby kid you can find out what i'm uh reading or listening to or watching there uh, i also have a personal instagram account at the derby kid where i post the occasional picture of there i also have a personal youtube channel which i've been neglecting lately but hopefully mm -hmm. uh in november i can get back to uh, creating content for that, but you can find me over at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. Uh, I might start doing, uh, Andy Babacton and I talked about doing uh, live stream episodes about the Rebel Moon comics that are going to be coming Ooh, out. I did uh, see that. Uh, based, based on the uh, Zack Snyder uh, Rebel Moon uh, feature film series, I guess, franchise on Netflix that will be coming out starting in December. So we may do uh, a series of episodes on those comics. So uh, be checking us out over there. Uh, I also have a travel blog that I've neglected for several months now <laughs> at Oasis Broom, if you'd like to follow me over there. Uh, hopefully uh, in the next couple of months, uh, I'll be getting to some more travel stuff on uh, that account. If you would like to keep in touch with uh, places I or keep in touch with me and where I've been and things that I've seen. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legendary Ladies podcast, where um, all month in October, we've been doing our spooky sessions, uh, which is our spooky season picks, uh, talking about horror movies, uh, listing our listing out our top five horror movies of all time, uh, and also visiting some fun horror movies like your next uh, Bride of Chucky, and uh, and this week uh, we are doing Crimson Peak, which is gothic, a uh, little gothic horror in there. So if you are in the mood to uh, put something spooky on or hear some people talk about some spooky stuff for spooky season, you should uh, come check us out. You can find us um, on our podcast at the Legendary Ladies uh, Podcast dot com. You can also find us on Twitter or. Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at legends underscore podcast, but you can also find us on YouTube, youtube.com uh, slash uh, at the legendary ladies. 
I need to put all of those URLs on the graphic for the live streams for for you. And I also I'm need amazed to I ever out, remember them. <laughs> I also need to change out all my uh, uses of Twitter to X, even though everybody oh. still calls it Twitter. Uh, I guess yeah. we could uh, change out that <laughs> logo. I you changed to- it. You changed it in the graphic. I feel like that's more than it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> And would you know, I met somebody today, we were talking about things that we're scared of. And, you know, I mentioned, uh, I have an ET phobia. Uh, we'll, oh, yes. we'll, I remember we'll not watch the Steven Spielberg ET film if, uh, if I don't have to, uh, ET, the, 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 uh, the shot where ET is in the closet with all the stuffed animals and it just like pans <laughs> over. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope. And the, uh, some of the scenes where he's like, de- like E.T. is dying and he's white <laughs> and gross. It's, I can't handle it. Um, but so what in this discussion, uh, talking about that today, I found somebody who is afraid of Muppets. What? Has like a Muppet thing where like she won't watch Muppets, thinks Muppets are weird and don't want to watch them. And I was like, that's crazy. I was like, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to make you love Muppets. We can change this. <laughs> we can change you. <laughs> so uh, scary scary things are, I guess, uh, different for everybody, what everybody is scared of. But uh, I'm glad that you can stomach that stuff because I sure <laughs> cannot. Um, so uh, that is uh, very interesting. I'm sure those episodes are great. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, without the villain to define the hero, you don't have a hero. McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.